1: Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Fred, your host and sports chart for the LSJ, joined by the top two Michigan State beat writers in the net rankings, free beat writer Chris Solari, LSJ sports columnist, Graham Couch. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing on this beautiful Monday morning?
2: Well, you know what they say, the, the, the net rankings are junk, so. No question. No question. You know, everything's relative, you know, the net ranking, you know, it, it, it's, it's. We're up against Colgate, so what does it really matter, right? Donald Foyle, that's all that matters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, when did O'Donnell Foyle play that? We're, I mean, we're going back to the early to mid-90s, right? Or is for he sure, late yeah. Is he late 90s? Uh, either way, 90s somewhere. Hey, he parlayed that NCAA run into being, he was a lottery pick if I'm not mistaken, right?
2: A bust. He was a bust, yep. He parlayed it into being a bust.
1: <laughs> that is definitely for sure, but... uh one team that did not bust out of the NCAA tournament as of yet is the Michigan State Spartans, who uh, the NCAA tournament committee and the CBS selection show made us sweat it out a little bit uh, on Sunday to see where Michigan State exactly was going to get. I think a lot of us thought that they would be not be in a playing game, but that is, of course, what has happened, is they are an 11 seed and will play in one of the play-in games against UCLA on Thursday night at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. I know there's been quite a bit of a contention in about exactly how Michigan State ended up in the playing game. And I suspect that's what we'll spend a huge chunk of our podcast talking about, especially when it comes to the terms of Utah State and Syracuse, who uh, whose resumes may not exactly be the greatest in the world. They definitely don't have three top five wins, that's for certain. So that'll just be one of the many areas that we cover. And then maybe we'll make our NCAA tournament predictions at the end of this podcast as well. But uh, for now, let's start with the Spartans and uh, their NCAA tournament game on Thursday. Uh, Chris, I know you were, you were tweeting a lot about this last night, so I suspect you definitely, you were one of those who definitely believes that Michigan State probably was unfairly put into the play-in game here. What are your initial reactions to all of that?
0: I kind of agree with what Graham wrote. I mean, did they probably deserve to be in a play-in game? Yes. Did they deserve to be in a play-in game with Syracuse and Utah State above them as buys? That I'm not so sure of, um... I I think Syracuse's resume was was severely lacking. I mean, all the things that Mitch Barnhart said in terms of why Syracuse was above Michigan State basically does come down to the net rankings because he mentioned about uh, strength of schedule. Michigan State had them hands down. Um, He mentioned about their wins against teams in the NCAA tournament, and those pale in comparison to let alone the three wins that Michigan state had, but, but the other wins over Rutgers and uh, I forget which other team they they had five wins uh, over tournament teams, I believe. And, you know, you know, I think one of the, one of the wins for Syracuse was against Georgetown, um, which backdoored its way in uh, as a conference champion. So, um, yeah, to me uh, that that's probably should have been Syracuse's spot um, there. And, you know, that said, it's you know, that it is what it is, I think is kind of exactly what Aaron Henry said. And uh they gotta win basically a three game weekend now, which is you know, when you're talking about a team that already had some dead legs, it's gonna be interesting to see first how they come out Thursday, uh particularly in the first ten minutes against UCLA in a place where they haven't won uh in seven years, uh, at Mackey Arena. Um and you know, obviously we've got the specter of John Wooden's statue outside uh as a Purdue alum and legendary UCLA coach and I think UCLA is one only the UCLA has only played there once at Mac Arena and won. So yeah, that's uh there's a lot of things conspiring against Michigan State from a from a karmic standpoint, I guess you could say.
2: The tournament committee always seems to favor Syracuse and Michigan State rarely gets it really seated higher than you think they'll be it, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic um, you know I, I think it, it certainly is a year where I don't know that you can you can complain right I mean I just don't know that Michigan state is but it's also when you look deeper into their um, resume they haven't lost to a non ncaa tournament team since before Christmas and they have, one of their really bad losses was really two and, and you know they they played games right out of coming off that COVID break and and you know the Virginia game didn't get played I think that hurt um, right, you know if they I think they would have beat Virginia at the time that game happened and then the whole year it would have been understood that the ninth place team in the Big Ten was better than the ACC champion and if you have that understanding from there <laughs> you can de- develop the rest of everything. And um, that you know, that would have been very very. interesting very... you
0: mentioned that. It, it's interesting you mentioned that because I know Izzo over the years has kind of danced around Syracuse's scheduling strategy um, of not really playing anyone that good, um, which they obviously played Rutgers this year at Rutgers and lost by ten. Um, and you know that's that's a head to head there or a, a comparative. The, the, they lost to Duke um and Michigan State beat Duke um so there's there's and Notre Dame as well so there's there's some things there if you look at, a little deeper into comparing those two teams uh that were there that favored Michigan State but you're right i mean you know it was the three games it was three games i think before their covid pause obviously the the road losses at minnesota and northwestern in december um you know the, including the 25 pointer um, in Minneapolis, but also the, the loss against Purdue is probably the one that, that ultimately sent them to Mackey Arena because I think if they win that game against Purdue at home, um, all of a sudden you, you can't really, they've got one more tournament win uh, or one more winning totally. tournament team
2: than, than Syracuse. And,
0: you know, it's, it, it, it just, it, when, when you talk about fake conspiring against you, I mean, that's the one that, that, I think a lot of people pointed to, but I also do think that those other two games, because and and I think they were still both top 100 uh, net wins uh, for the most part. I don't know where Northwestern finished, but I know Minnesota was fringy for a while, um, and it, that that one bounced back and forth between Quad one and Quad two. So, uh, but yeah, this I mean, you're right about there not being much to argue. Um, you, there's not much to argue about being a play-in team. I think the argument is the Syracuse and the the uh, Utah State because uh, Mitch Barnhart even said he said we put a lot of value into Utah State beating uh, beating San Diego State twice and they're a six seed. Well, Michigan State beat two one seeds. You know <laughs> that that should hold weight. Two one seeds and a two seed.
2: Yeah, my, my thing with, with, with mid-majors, I have no problem. Like, with mid-majors in a year, especially when there's no comparison because they didn't get to play a lot of teams, I have no problem saying a mid-major had a really good year and a middling high-major doesn't get it. Like, so that's what the Utah State argument. I mean, yeah, head-to-head, it doesn't really add up, but whatever. They don't have the same opportunities Michigan State does. But the, the Syracuse deal is where, you know, when you start looking at high-majors, a little more apples-to-apples, but, yeah, no, I'm, I, I think, look, it's the, the good news for MSU is that if they can get past UCLA, and that's, that's a big if, but if they get past um, UCLA, then what's in front of them is a better draw than what Syracuse or Utah State got, in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I, I would rather play BYU, even if those guys are pushing 30 and can shoot, um, it's like a Gus Mac or nightmare there, right? 30-year-olds that can shoot. Um, but then then face San Diego State, which is what Syracuse got, or Texas Tech, which is what Utah State got in that 11-6 matchup. So uh, if, if you're trying to make a run, the, the, the problem is the thing about UCLA is this is a program game for them. I mean, Mick Cronin and, and Chris and I were in Maui last year when he talked about uh, just how much – MSU is who they're trying to model what they're doing after. In the West Coast, that's rare. And, and you know, how important it was for them to play them so as the players could see it. Like, this will be a program game for them, beyond the John Wooden stuff of Purdue and all that. So you, know, you have a game that where Michigan State's thinking about a run and the usual stuff and all this. UCLA's thinking this is our moment against a – which is, first of all, says a ton about where MSU's program is because this is UCLA modeling its program after Michigan State. Like think about that. That's yeah. that's that's where the flip of the I mean, when Izzo took over the same year they won a national title. So that's where uh things have changed. But so yeah, so I I think it's no it's no given, but I, I don't think the draw is that bad. Well I think another thing too, um,
0: you know, everyone keeps thinking that Izzo's throwing shade at Michigan uh, for for not playing the full complement of, of Big Ten games, um and particularly coming out and that week after uh, their program pause, without having a positive COVID case and not playing. But I think there's some some definite shade at Syracuse as well because they didn't play Florida State um, and that, they didn't make that game up. And there, I think there was another game against uh, Wake Forest they didn't make up as well. Um, so, you know, you add another loss to Syracuse against Florida State, then what does it do? You know, it's, you know, it, you're, it, it's such a weird year because of everything that, that has transpired with, with, with COVID and games being disrupted and sometimes weeks and months for teams and,
2: and teams like Virginia
0: still, you know, going through a second case, you know, that, that caused them to, to bail out of the ACC tournament um, after they had their December stoppage. So, yeah, I mean, it is. And, and who knows what's ahead in the next week? Um, you know, with, with Virginia and Kansas both kind of teetering, I guess you could say, and, you know, wobbling their way into the field and not knowing if they're going to be physically able to do it based on the, the COVID protocols. It seems like they're going to at this point, but, you know, not, nothing's, nothing's assured at this point.
2: Yeah, no, that's, it's going to get weird if there are replacement teams and it's it's just a weird year. Look, it's all in Indianapolis, which is mighty convenient for us. Um, but for most of, you know, for most people, not, um, I, it, 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 it's going to be a weird time, a weird week. I think it could be awesome basketball. I think, you know, I'm grateful we, we have it after, um, what we went through a year ago and, um, you know, I think, and I think the weird thing for Michigan State is like what, what they need to get out of this for people to feel. First of all, they, they the, the weird dynamic is by by being in a play or the first four, there is that idea that you know did he, did you actually make the tournament? But you did. It's a field sixty-eight, and I think forever people will know that this team got there when it was against. Them, but it but and people will be fine with that. Nobody's going to sit there in the middle of the summer, and sort of lament or regret what this team does from here on out. The way last year, I think people probably had moments in quarantine last summer where they thought, sit in and out, you know, backyard gatherings or whatever on Zoom calls saying, man, didn't get to see what Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman would have done. Th- that won't happen this year. But I think to feel immediately satisfied, what, what you really want from this team is to get a chance to take a swing at a a really good team because they've shown they can do that and and to do that that would require getting to the second round which for them is a third game and that would be the ultimate satisfying thing if you lose that game if you play well against texas you come up short people are good with it i think people would like to see them have a shot in that sort of game the problem is right consistency is not really their forte getting to a third game in a row it's not something they've done a whole lot this year and i think that you know
0: it's going to be interesting with the way that that bracket shaped up too i mean you know Phil you mentioned that about uh waiting and waiting and waiting to for michigan state to hear their name called um they they also land in the same bracket as michigan um and i, I think i think back to the i think it was the which, which is it, the 2019 tournament that that Foster lawyer saved saved michigan state in the big 10 tournament against ohio and
2: yeah, all, yeah. And
0: all of a sudden, you got Michigan. You got that Michigan carrot dangling out there, and uh, you know, you wonder if that becomes a motivation uh, that Tom Izzo might use. I don't know if you can at this point because you got, you still got to hit three wins just to get through the weekend, like you said. I mean, you know, this something they really haven't had to do ever. Um, you know, obviously, this is their first playing game. It's their lowest seed in 33 NCAA tournament appearances. I think 10 was the previous low. I think they did that a couple times, but, um, but they didn't have to play three games in a weekend and, you know, tournament games just are are a different animal and a different beast. But I, I, I kind of agree with what Tom said too. this team is battle tested because how, how many of these games in the last month have been playing games for the most part anyways. I mean, every single one of them from the Indiana game to the Illinois game to the Ohio state game, uh, to beating Indiana again, to beating Michigan, they knew they had to win five games probably to get in this field, and they squeaked in, and and now you got a repeat. So, it, it while it might be foreign territory in an NCAA tournament setting, um, they've been playing they've been playing playing games pretty much for a month and a half now. I don't think that's going to affect them from a mental standpoint. I think it'd be more physical.
2: I, I agree, and, I, and having this time off, I think, will help too. I'm hoping they get to that game at Butler because seeing them at Hinkle would be fun. Uh, I mean, I love Hinkle Fieldhouse. So my hope is they at least get to UIU just to (laughs) enjoy a game at Hinkle. It's been a while since I've been to one there. And my sister went to Butler. You know, it's obviously the famous Hoosiers scene. It's it's just – it's cool that that could be their place. They play an NCAA tournament game. And and it's a lot more fun than – checking out in another horrible night in West Lafayette, which has happened plenty to them. Yeah. And it's
0: something that, I mean, that's if if you're talking about a carrot for Tom Izzo, I mean, he loves playing at those historic venues always has. I mean, that's why they set up the game at the palestra. Um, I think about the, I mean, talking about UCLA played in the, the wooden, wooden legacy uh, at Pauly, I I believe Uh, I say a few years back, it was probably, you know, nearly a decade ago, but but those I mean playing at the, at the historic venues is something that's always appealed to him um and I I got to cover one game there it was actually South Dakota State's first division 1 basketball game so that was uh that it's, it is everything that that you read and hear about and and see on TV and it's, it's so much different when you're there by the way um as we're recording this uh uh, our, our good friend down in Indianapolis, Zach Osterman, is saying that Archie Miller is out at Indiana. So, well,
2: there's the story. there you go. Wow.
0: There you go.
1: Indiana, Indiana
0: is the epicenter of college basketball. Even on a Monday of the tournament, it's all going to be in Indiana. Indiana is the the hot story now.
1: I don't think it's a surprise. Uh, Archie got can, especially after another fade. But uh, you can also make the argument that Indiana's expectations too high, which the A4 mentioned Zach Oshman wrote about in a, col- a really good column this weekend regarding the state of Indiana basketball. Anyway, Graham, you mentioned that it might help Michigan State that they have a week off, but that feels like it kind of gets negated by having to play three games in five days if they want to get to this Week 16. But I, do we think it is possible that they can make – a VCU like run, like they did in 2011, to to maybe make the Final Four. And Graham, you talked about the, I think it was Graham Benham, and Chris that you know, talked about these three teams that they might play. It certainly is is winnable, but is there is there a first four to Final Four run in the Spartans?
2: Here's the problem. So if you take take away the playing game originally, and the best case scenario, the one thing they could point to is you could say their their stretch where they beat Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio State would be very similar in terms of quality of opponent to what they might have to in Indiana, you know, the first time they beat Indiana was before Indiana had fallen off the map, right? They thought they were a tournament team. And so it would be very similar to what they would have to face in winning a first round game and then beating a three seed and then a two seed, you know, that sort of thing. And so there would be evidence there of three straight games to move forward, at least to the elite eight. I don't, I've I've always said that was sort of what I thought the ceiling was for this team. Um, before they, you know, but the, the the problem is is just picturing that sort of consistency. I have no doubt they can take a big swing and beat anybody. Um, what's weird is their bracket now is is a little up in the air with Isaiah Livers out. Michigan's a little more vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I mean, Texas is a good team. I've seen them a couple times, but they're they're absolutely beatable. Alabama is a, you know shoots the heck out of the ball. Beatable team. These are not. This is not a. Uh, there's nobody right now in that region they can't beat on a given day, but I mean I would say there are probably only four teams in the region who can't beat Michigan State on a given day at least half the time. So that's that's the problem. I mean, it's how do you how do you put how do you string it together? That would be an interesting matchup if they somehow get to face Alabama with.
0: Alabama's outside shooting versus Michigan State's perimeter defense. Uh, I think that would be, that would be one that would be real interesting um, just to see how Nate Oates might approach that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, it's that kind of year for Michigan State. I mean, who do you feel comfortable with, with matching them up against? I mean, granted they were six and zero against non-conference opponents, uh, including two ACC wins. So, so, it, but, it wasn't, it wasn't the top of the ACC this year that they played either. They played two struggling ACC teams in Duke and Notre Dame early in, early in the year and before they Michigan State really started to kind of come into their problems. And I think, you know, at this time of the year, and this, is, this is, goes all the way back to 1995, and, and to me watching Randy Rutherford and Bryant Reeves, you know, if you've got an inside-outside component to your game, um, uh, this is why I think Illinois is built for a long run, um, you know, with, with the Sunu and and uh, uh, Coburn and, and Corbella. I mean, they've got the inside-outside component. If if you're able to do that and have a good point guard, you can make a deep run. I, that's where I think Michigan State at this time of the year might might really miss having that, that kind of point guard. What's interesting is against UCLA, they've got a guy in Tiger Campbell who – played with Jaron Jackson, was really heavy on Michigan State's radar before he committed to DePaul and then decommitted and ended up at UCLA. I mean, it's you know it, it's fascinating to think about that, that that kid could have been a guy at Michigan State if maybe he decided to go that route. But, you know, obviously we, we saw how things transpired there and, you know, who went where. And,
2: you know, Michigan State not
0: having Foster Lawyer, that puts him one point guard down. Uh, going into this.
2: One thing that's, that I enjoy right now is just the idea that you get out of Big Ten play. You get out of the, the you know, seeing Rutgers play one more time. Or if you're watching Rutgers, you're watching them play a very different team. You, you get out of, you know, and, and so the matchups become in, interesting. Um, UCLA, maybe less so than BYU for me and Texas, but uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how Michigan state matches up against good teams from other conferences, uh, you know, cause this is, a, this will be an interesting time to see, you know, we've talked about the big 10 strength all year. and I, I believe it. Um, but, and, and I think some other leagues are down, but you kind of do have to prove it now. Cause there wasn't a non-conference, you know, you kind of have to, and it's too bad Michigan's not healthy. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we could misread this michigan state has made runs that we didn't see coming before obviously 2014 15 uh 2003 you know um there have been teams that have gotten going that weren't supposed to do anything and all of a sudden looked really good the the one thing that that i think is just i mean it it's the story of this year is uh, is, is the point guard play in the situation there? Is you bring up not having a you know, lawyer, and not, I, I, I don't know how you build a NCAA tournament run without that. I just don't. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, we saw two good games in a row from Rocket Watts when he against Indiana and then Illinois. That and that really had been the first since Detroit and Duke. I mean, he's never put this year. I don't think three quality games together and if he doesn't can you adapt in time and get quality out of that position somewhere else is is aj hogart have a day where he's really good and, and takes care of the ball does joshua langford you know running the point in the half court does that work for you that that you can't run with that though uh, and so i that that's where i struggle to find how they're going to. Uh, Put anything together. The thing is, though, really, right? It's one game at a time. It's one after another, and uh, it's just the game in front of you. And, and and they can win just about any game in front of them. So a run is a run is feasible. This isn't like 07 Michigan State, where you know that team maximized itself, got to the tournament, was like an eight or nine seed, lost to Carolina in the second round. They were never going to make a run you know they just weren't it was never going to happen they were never going to upset somebody probably and this is this is a little different dynamic
0: yeah and the 2005 team when when you talk about not having a point guard I mean they they used Allen Anderson quite a bit there and you know that's a comparative here but those were veteran I mean that was a veteran team uh, with a lot of guys and a lot of depth in the post and a lot of talent I mean um, you know, I mean, you had Shannon Brown. I don't think there's a Shannon Brown necessarily on this team. Maybe you can kind of, kind of liken him to, to Aaron Henry, but he also had Ager, you know, and he also had Torbert who was playing at at, at his highest level and Paul Davis. And, you know, he, he, even a guy like, uh, Ebok brought you big fouls. So, I mean, you can make a comparison there with Sissoko, um, in size, but they, they had, they had a lot more size, uh, from some of those guys, so it's just an interesting. I and mean, basketball's changed a little bit, obviously, in the 16 years. That's hard to believe. 16 years since that 2005 Final Four run. But, um, but, but there is somewhat of a blueprint. And I wonder how is those using this week of practice or the past week of practice going into this um, in terms of maybe getting a, a Langford a little more prepared to run some point or working a little bit more with Rocket Watts to to iron out some of the the issues that have persisted uh, in a practice setting that they haven't had a chance to uh, really in the past month or two, Um, really even all the way back to to December in some ways they haven't really had a chance to practice because everything's been so compacted and they had those 20 days where they couldn't do anything. So I I don't know. I I really – it, it it's just like the rest of the tournament and the rest of the year in college basketball, it's kind of going to be a mystery going into this. And I think that's what we love about sports. We love that. We love the intrigue. We love the, the things that, that you can't predict. That's what makes this time of year. So great. Um, you know, it's hard to think maybe Michigan State can have a Valparaiso moment um, considering what they've done over the last 25 years. But um, if there is one, it's probably this as probably this team if they can somehow get into get through the first weekend all
1: right well we are a college sports podcast so let's do some college sports in here and let's make our final four picks i think we have all done this in print form already so or at least digital online form so this should not be too difficult but for those those of us who have not seen our picks online graham want to go through your final four picks
2: yeah right i mean this is you know this is early off the top sort of stuff but uh, I I'm, I'm going uh, Illinois who I think is playing as well as anybody Gonzaga because they're really really good and um, you know they're I wanted to be able to pick Iowa there couldn't do it um, and I mean I, I just like the one seeds this year more than some other years uh, I thought I would not take Michigan because of the livers injury but I, they, I know Illinois passed them. I don't know what that means, passing somebody. They, Illinois' path is so much worse than Michigan's. Uh, so I, maybe Illinois should get to Pickett's path. I don't really understand how that works. Uh, but Michigan, I like their road. I think they. I don't think without Livers they can win a, a national title. But I, I just look at who's in front of them. I think they can get to a Final Four. And uh, so I'm not going to pick Chalk, though. And uh, Baylor, I think, peaked too soon. And I like a team like Purdue to beat Baylor. And then I like a team like Ohio State to beat Purdue. So I'm going to go with the three Big Ten Final Four and Gonzaga and then go with uh, the Illini to beat the Zags in the championship.
0: The only spot where we differ is I think that Alabama can shoot their way through. I I think we've seen some teams – uh, in recent years, that that can that that rely on those outside shots, that that can make deep runs, and, and I think Alabama's playing with supreme confidence going in right now. Uh, you know, I, I that is the one I think with the liver's injury that, that to me w- would really hurt them. I, I I think that's that's the only difference that we have. I've got the Illini winning it all, um, and I, like I said, I, I think that when you've got especially the way Corbell's been playing. Uh you know, as good as as Coburn and the and have been all year, um, it's getting that, that third musketeer involved and you got a veteran guy like Frazier who who can do so many different things. I and Georgie, I mean, Ben Shavili coming on in that that tournament, I think that he's been kinda MIA and that adds another component in the post. It's just so deep and they can run at you and they defend and you know they, they can push the pace. They can win a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. Um, you know I, I do worry, like you said, kind of with Baylor about did they peak a little bit too soon? But but I don't know if there's anybody in the country right now playing better than Illinois. And um, you know that's that's uh, kind of my brag. And I, I got them actually beating Gonzaga um, in the championship game. But you know that, that the Gonzaga thing too. I mean you know we, we still haven't seen Gonzaga do it and, and get there. You know, they've got to prove that they can, they can get there too. Uh, there's a lot on the line for for Mark Hughes' program. I think to go in undefeated and you know solidify and say this is we are a power program and and we deserve every bit of that number one overall seed. So that, there's some pressure that comes with that, that that you might not see them escape at, at some point. But I, I think that to me those. Those four teams um, in Gonzaga, Ohio State, Illinois, and Alabama, um, to me, are, make up a, a really strong
1: Final Four. Yeah. Gonzaga did reach the title game in 2017, I want to say. They lost whatever year they lost to Carolina. I think that was 2017. Nobody fact check me on that. Uh, anyway, uh, sort of similar for you guys. I got Gonzaga. I also have Illinois as two of my final four. And then I might have watched too much SEC tournament basketball this weekend, but I really got influenced by the way Alabama and Arkansas really played to end the season. So Arkansas, a three seed, Arkansas a three seed. That's not really a your quote-unquote surprise final four team, but I, I can see them making a run and same thing Alabama. So I'm with you, Chris, on, on the Crimson Tide, where Alabama is just now going to take over all of, or at least the two main college sports instead of just being dominant on the football field and like you guys i have illinois gonzaga in the national title game and like you guys i have illinois lifting the trophy we a lot of people in illinois and with good reason i mean they are a very talented ball club who has really turned it on here at the exact right time
0: it does beg the question uh, when exactly indiana hires nate Oates away from alabama right (laughs) speaking of timely and topical
1: yeah i just got a text from my friend he thinks scott drew of baylor will be the next coach
0: I, I've heard rumblings about that as well. Yep. Got to wait. Got a bunch,
2: of, couple guys you got to wait for probably.
1: All right. Well, do you guys want to make predictions for the Michigan State game on Thursday or no?
2: Sure. All right. I think I think MSU I think MSU wins it. Um, I think they're better than UCLA, and so I'll I'll, I'll give MSU in a game by seven or eight points.
0: That's exactly what I got. I got MSU seventy five to sixty eight. I think UCLA obviously down the stretch with some injuries. Really started slumping and kind of, kind of limped their way in. Um, and like I said, when Michigan State has to put play to play in to the field, and they're used to the playing games, um, I think that at least for the first game, uh, you want to prove that you belong in that field. And the the carrot for Izzo getting to play at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, I would imagine he's going to have a measuring tape if they do get there to to show the guys the, the height of the rims and whatnot. So um, that just seems like his his kind of motivation. So yeah, I you know I I, I think that it, and it's going to be interesting to watch. <laughs> What's crazy is going to be watching a, a Michigan State game at Purdue without Purdue. That's going to be <laughs> you know it, it, how much is Vacky Arena the actual ghost here versus what they face against Purdue.
2: Well, the other thing is if Izzo wants to play at Hinkle Fieldhouse, home and home with Butler every year, let's go. Like, uh, you know, Mr. I'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. Let's do it. Like, this is not – let's, let's, you know. there's. I mean, Champions Classic, Schmampians Classic, who the heck needs it? Like, Butler, Hinkle Fieldhouse every year, let's do it.
1: I'm with you guys. I think Michigan State beats UCLA in the play-in game. All right, any final thoughts before we check out of here?
2: Not really. Boy, it's going to be a lot of basketball and a lot
0: of. I mean, we've yeah. got a lot of basketball in a short period of time, it,
1: and
0: you know what? A better way to finish it than in Indiana, and you know for however long, and you know let's let's roll,
1: let's go. Uh, All righty. It's going to take some getting used to the schedule, which is crazy. I don't even know how many people know that the schedule has adjusted quite a bit. Like, uh, like the first four on Thursday, then Friday, Saturday for the first round, Sunday, Monday for the second round. And then it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So I think that's still going to catch some people by surprise when when that goes down in the next week or two.
0: Thursday, Saturday, Monday would be Michigan State's path.
1: Yep. Thank you very much for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, Freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore Couch. At Chris Solari, at Phil underscore Friend, and at LSJ Green White. Thanks for listening.
0: Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
1: human remains that are left.